Hello and welcome to Rollins Around Town. I'm Sam Stark and I serve as the Vice President of Communications and External Relations here at Rollins College. Rollins Around Town is a showcase of outstanding people who make dynamic and important contributions to the Rollins campus and throughout Central Florida. In either case, these are difference makers who help uplift the mission and brand of Rollins and who help make our region a special place to live, learn, and work. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Rollins alumnus Scott DuPont. Scott is an actor and producer who spends time in LA and here in Winter Park. He graduated from Rollins in 1987 and remains close to the college in many ways. I'm excited to hear about his newest venture that has a lot of Rollins ties, a feature-length documentary called Movie Money Confidential. Scott, thanks so much for being with us today and welcome to the show. Oh, great to be here this morning, Sam. Scott, before we talk about the movie, just kind of help us, you know, frame up, you know, you and your story. First of all, how, how did you get to Rollins, um, and where, where were you before you, you came to Rollins? So I most likely would have followed the path of all my siblings gone to a, a college up in the Northeast, but uh, my final three years of high school, I ended up down at St. Andrews down in Boca Raton, so Rollins was definitely on the map as one of the up-and-coming liberal arts college in the southeast at that time. And uh, took one look at the campus and was really impressed with the incredible student-faculty ratio and uh, just fell in love with it and uh, went to Rollins and stayed in Winter Park for about 25 years after I graduated. I love it. That's fantastic. What, you know, sort of what was your Rollins experience like? Um, it, it was interesting because I ended up being on the water ski team. They had one of the best, and they still do, one of the top water ski teams in the nation. And I didn't make the team my freshman year, but I finally made it the end of my sophomore year. So I was traveling just about every other weekend uh, off campus, but I was really plugged in uh, to campus life because of my fraternity, Phi Delta Theta. So between the academics the fraternity, and then the getting away from the, um, on the, on the water ski trips, it never felt too small of a college at all. And that was one uh, serious concern I had before, but it never felt that at all. And uh, the relationships I built with some faculty members, a lot of different students, including my fraternity brothers, have been lifelong bonds. Yep, love that. And uh, just, just light, lifelong. Yep, sounds, uh, sounds somewhat familiar. Um, what, you know, I ask this question a lot to, to alum, alumni, and that is, you know, if you had to break it down by percentage, what, what was your in-class learning versus your out-of-class learning, you know, sort of experiential learning uh, during your four years at Rollins? Ooh, that's, that's, a, that's a tough question. I would... Uh, I mean, I would guess probably 60% in-class learning, 40% mm-hmm. um, out. But it was, it was kind of a hybrid because there were a lot of my closest friends. I ended up being an e- economics major. Ne- never did theater, by the way. So I'm not one of those <laughs> naturally creative types. I developed some of that creative skills later on after graduating. But it was interesting with my fraternity brothers and my closest friends all being economic majors. We had these really interesting conversations, um, real world 
outside of the classroom. So it's kind of a hybrid, what I learned in class, what I learned out of class, and all the discussions in between. Yep, love it. So uh, it's, it's fall of 1987, and what, what's your first paying job uh, out, of, out of Rollins? Well, my mission, I was laser focused. I wanted to get a job with a Fortune 100 company. Uh, whether or not I ended up climbing the corporate ladder and staying with that company for 40 years to try to get the golden watch, uh, that wasn't necessarily the goal. Um, I wasn't trying to just hook up with a company for a few years, but I really wanted um, that foundation of a great training program. So companies like AT&T, IBM, Xerox were on the top of my list. And through a Rollins uh, connection, uh, a fraternity brother, which I, I didn't know him at the time. He was maybe six, seven years ahead of me, a guy named Jay Scarlata. Uh, he put in a good word for me. I had a great interview on campus when they were recruiting, and then I did three or four more interviews at different Xerox offices around the region, and Xerox Corporation was my first job, and I Love loved it for, uh, for six years. Yeah, and so then was, after that was when you made the transition sort of into the movie and movie-making business and acting business? Uh, not, not quite. I had a, uh, a severe pitfall, a, a sinkhole, if you will, in between. So. I was really happy at Xerox. I was very successful as a marketing representative, doing everything from their laser printers to some of their computer systems to their great big copier duplicators you see everywhere. Um, and I got, I got kind of pulled on an entrepreneurial journey. Uh, one of my best friends um, was telling me about these prepaid telephone cards that started coming out in the mid-1990s. And uh, he had he'd actually traveled all through Europe, and he saw the British telecom card, the France telecom, the Italia card. And um, I think it was 1992, 93, AT&T and um, Sprint started testing these prepaid phone cards. Now, we didn't have the phones where you insert and, and have a smart card reader at that time. Mm -hmm. You would dial a 1-800 number on the back of a card, and for the first time ever – Kids, teenagers, tourists, lots of tourists in Orlando, right? They could dial this 1-800 number, scratch off the pin, and have a uh, long-distance telephone card for $10, $20, or $50 worth of time. So long story short, uh, my, my best friend and I, we opened up um, a chain of retail stores in three different states. In Florida, we were in the Winter Park Mall for a while. We were down at Church Street Station, the Florida Mall. We opened up stores in Texas and California. So we were literally selling these prepaid phone cards to people in shopping malls, tourists, people from overseas. And uh, we were trying to take the company public. Long story short, we crashed and burned halfway through the IPO and closed all seven of our stores and uh, ended up in bankruptcy, which was a painful, but a very, very valuable lesson. Yeah. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. That's uh, what, what, a, what a great, I mean, a tough ending, but a great, uh, a great story and great honesty. And like you said, I, I suspect that it uh, made you a better person and business person going forward and uh, probably would not have had that kind of experience and perspective without a little bit of failure, which, which we've all been through.
Yeah. So to, to kind of answer the second part of the question, how did I get into film and TV business? There's, there's a kind of a interesting kind of transition segue from that. Um, I went back to um, get an MBA. I ended up kind of shifting that to an MA. I got my master's in marketing at Webster University right in the Orlando area. Mm -hmm. um, did not go to Crummer. I wish I had, but it's still Webster ended up being a good experience for me. And while I was doing that graduate work, um, I saw this little kind of on a whim. I saw this little, I don't know, newspaper ad or so, somehow I found out about a commercial acting class. So I kind of did that on the side and I found out that if you lived in Orlando, Florida in the 1990s, early 2000s, and you still can, you can actually make a living doing commercials, not necessarily film, not necessarily television, but between commercials and the corporate training videos, mm. um, promotional videos. And at the same time, a guy named John Picorni, a few years below me, yep. he had opened up a production company called Focus Communications right off Fairbanks Avenue across from where Holler Chevrolet used to be. Yep. So I was acting in commercials, actually making a little bit of money, teamed up with John. Uh, that's where we did our first uh, feature-length project. It was actually a, a dating video called Women on Men, purely educational. And um, from there, I kind of branched out and started doing broader feature films and documentaries. Amazing. That's a, that's a great story. I'm not sure I knew all of that stuff. I mean, we've been friends for a long time and know, known some of your background, but not sure I knew all of that. That's just, that's fantastic. Oh, man. So should we go right into to the, to the movie? I mean, it's such a big deal. I know there's been so many other successes and things you've done. Um, you know, we'll, 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 we'll park the movie for one second, because what I love, um, uh, you know, after kind of remembering and, and reading some of your stuff is how you got so engaged and so involved, as any good Rollins alum would do, with, you know, state associations. Um, I know you were elected the uh, state president of the Florida Motion Picture and Television Association to the board of directors of, the, of uh, Film Florida. I've uh, been involved with the president of Florida Cast and Crew Association. Like, these are... You know, these are things you didn't have to do, but you raised your hand and, and uh, in some way, form or fashion and, and got super involved in the industry leading uh, those associations. Can you, can you talk about maybe the why and uh, what those experiences were like for you? Yeah, yeah. Um, there, there was a, a great why. So uh, just like any business, but probably in the, in the very tight-knit, small film and television community, especially in the state of Florida, it, it's, it's about who you know, who knows you, all those valuable networking relationships. So I went to an FMPTA meeting, Florida Motion Picture and Television Association, didn't know anyone. Uh, one of my acting teachers said, hey, go there, you'll meet some people, you might meet some casting directors, you might meet some producers, network. So this, uh, the president at the time greeted me at the door with a big smile, his name was Craig Soldinger, said, hey, come on in, let me introduce you to some people. He goes, oh, you, you should... Uh, you know, you should come back next month and then came back next month and hey, you should join our programs committee mm -hmm. to help set up our monthly events. And he goes, hey, you know, six months later, you should run for uh, on the board of directors. And then a year after that, you should run for the local president. And I did, I, I kind of stepped up every single time of the, uh, every single time. I ended up giving, I mean, when I, at one point when I was the state president of the organization between all the travel around the state, it was 
30, 40 hours a week, you know, a yeah. uh, uh, 501c6 not-for-profit pure donation. But the time that I contributed, that I gave, I gave back tenfold yeah. because of the people I, may, uh, I, I met. Um, at a certain point of time, I wasn't just uh, getting valuable advice. I was starting to give some valuable advice to the people five years behind me in the business. So it was just a really great um, networking. It ended up being kind of almost like a family, and I, I, it was just the, be- the best experience ever. That's so, that's so cool. So, I mean, I know you've been on screen. Uh, any, any places that you want to share or highlight some of, uh, you know, some of your acting um, highlights? <laughs> not, not really, to be honest. Uh, what, what are the things I, I joke about when people ask? So what, what have I seen you on lately? And, I, and I, my, my comeback is, well, if you've seen one of these cheesy infomercials that cool. airs at 3 in the morning, right. most likely you will have seen me because that, that's where I used to make most of my money yeah. um, was shooting these, indu- uh, these um, uh, like – you know, some, some like new pillow that would come out and I would be the dad that, you know, slept on the pillow and then the rest of the day I would be shooting testimonials, you know, right. I, I, I only did products where I actually used the product and endorsed it. Um, so I did a lot of, I did a lot of things like that. Um, one of the cooler films I got to work on for a few days was Armageddon, yeah. uh, with Bruce Willis and, and Ben Affleck when they were shooting at the, uh, the Cape. That's but awesome. just a kind of quick segue to an acting role I had fun with and ended up being the first serious feature film because there's, there's some Rollins and Winter Park connections there. Um, this was right after I had done the uh, dating video, which was a 70-minute feature video. And we actually got it in some catalogs. We got it on some platforms. So we made money back on that. Uh, Bill Bowles was a, uh, a Rollins professor, and I had taken him a few years before, a couple classes, and he called me up one day and said, hey, I got this really, really sharp kid in my, in my writing class, and he's got this great uh, film script, and I don't know if anything's going to come of it, but you, you should just meet, meet with coffee, meet to get, get together for coffee and just talk to him. Well, this guy's name was Jonathan Fig. He was maybe five or six years behind me and we had a meeting and he had this really great concept for a film. So we ended up making um, the short version of a film called the brothers um, got on a lot of uh, film festival circuits, got a lot of buzz. And then a year later we produced the feature length version of that film, which we called the bros B R O S and our biggest backer ended up being a Rollins alumni, Jeff Dean, huh. our executive producer. Love so uh, Rollins thread throughout that whole movie, start to finish my first real film, which later got picked up by Lionsgate. So That's people cool. might have seen that. That's very cool. Well, let's talk a little bit about your newest and latest venture, or at least maybe maybe one of them. You probably have a, I'm sure you have a lot of irons and a lot of fires, but um, Movie Money Confidential. Um, Sounds fascinating. Obviously, done a little bit of, of digging and reading uh, about it, uh, and I know there's some Rollins ties, but but we, we'll get to that in a second. Tell us first, what is Movie Money Confidential? It is a uh, a documentary, so it's not a traditional narrative. Um, 
And it's based on the best-selling book called Filmmakers and Financing, which is now in its ninth edition. So this book has been around for about 30 years. Every person who's ever gone through film school or thought about making a movie has probably read this book. And um, a director who I ended up networking with through FMPGA, that organization we talked about, he, um, he was the senior producer at Universal Studios Florida, a guy named Rick Pamplin. And he, he approached me one time. We had done some uh, kind of collaborated on a, on a few smaller projects together, but he, he called me up one day and said, hey, I want to meet you about this project. Well, would it be interesting, this is, what, this is Rick's pick, pitch to me, mm-hmm. wouldn't it be interesting if we took all this information from the book and we kind of brought, brought it to life and pulled back the curtain of Hollywood, which is really taboo. No one likes to talk about where they got their money for their film because it's a, it's a slightly risky investment. It's not a traditional you know, stock, real estate type thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it's the biggest uh, choke point for any aspiring filmmaker any, or any existing filmmaker. So why don't we make this documentary and share, put light on how people raise money for their films and how movies are put together. And, at, and so I, I jumped on board. It sounded really interesting to me. There was also kind of an altruistic thing about the movie that I really wanted to help the next generation of filmmakers because the first couple of films, it was always a struggle to go out and raise the money, especially when you're talking sometimes millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we're shooting this film, it shot all over the state of Florida, including a couple segments we shot right here in Winter Park, um, which was pretty cool. And uh, during the course of the film, we got Burt Reynolds, the biggest movie star in the world, uh, in the film. Tragically, it was the last film he ever shot. Um, And we got Selma Hayek in the film as well, uh, as well as a bunch of Rollins people and uh, Winter Parkers. That's unbelievable. Uh, sounds fantastic. Um, filmmaking has changed, and I, it, it seems to me, and again, I, I know just enough to be dangerous, but um, I, I guess I'll ask it. How much has filmmaking changed over your you know, 25 years sort of deeply in the business? Quite a bit. So the, the first real feature film I did called The Bros, to be taken seriously by a distributor, you really had to go out and purchase, um, you know, Fifty to a hundred thousand dollars worth of thirty-five millimeter film. I mean, that was one of the more expensive components mm. to filmmaking. And then you had to go into uh, an Avid edit suite, and, and these, these weren't things people had on their home computers. So right. it was very expensive the production of it. And then when you when you were lucky enough to to get your film funded and get finished, including all the lab work and all the editing and sound mixing and all that stuff. You know, you might have anywhere between 500000 and $2 million into the movie. Then you hoped that you might either get it into theaters, which is really a needle in a haystack. Most independent films do not go to theaters. But you really had to get it picked up by one of the larger distributors, in our case, Lionsgate, because the main distributor was the channel into, at the time, where the video stores um, – or just, you know, Walmart, Kmart, that type of thing. Right. Nowadays, you can make a film literally <laughs> for 20 cents on the dollar. 
So what I would have spent a million dollars, and that, that, by the way, that was our budget for the bros. It was right around a million dollars. Yeah. I could do the same quality film for two to three hundred thousand dollars today, and then on the back end, when I'm getting ready to release my film, I have literally unlimited. Uh, there's still theaters, which is the needle in the haystack. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of distribution op- options. There's still libraries, schools, airlines, hotels, all these different markets, overseas markets. But the the real uh, Shangri-La, the holy grail now is almost unlimited streaming platforms. Right, right. Which didn't exist before. So it's a really exciting time. It's it's really a film renaissance um, for any of these um you know, film students at Rollins or any of the other local schools like UCF Full Sail, yep. getting out of film school, it's never been a better time That's to amazing. be a filmmaker. So what, what do you want? Like, I, mean, I guess you kind of go through this, you and Rick. Like, what do you want people to say after they have seen Movie Money Confidential? Well, we want, we want to see over the next few years at least a thousand. Rick, Rick said a hundred. I want at least a thousand filmmakers to email us, come up to us at a film festival, whatever, say, Hey, I saw your movie. I got really inspired and I went out and made my own movie. And there's a crazy story that happened during the taping of the movie that we, we couldn't even write the script. So one of, one of the scenes we actually shot uh, two and a half years ago while we were filming the movie, we got a, um, uh, a group of people together at this place called Harold's Coffee in West Palm Beach, Florida. It's kind of a hip, urban type thing. And we shot outdoors or maybe 20 or 30 people in the audience. And we had this panel set up where it was Rick, Louise Levinson, who authored the book, and myself. And this guy comes up to the microphone. Remember, we're filming all this. This is in the end scene in the movie, by the way. So if you see the movie, this is the end scene in the movie. This guy comes up to the microphone and is like, hi, my name's Palmer, and I have written 12 feature-length screenplays. I'm a screenwriter, da-da-da-da. And Rick, who's a little bit tough, but he, he gives tough love and tough advice because he's, he's a genius. Mm-hmm. He said, wait, wait, wait. You're not a screenwriter. If you've written 12 screenplays and you haven't optioned one yet, you haven't sold one, and none of them have been produced – you are not a screenwriter. Like he just threw it right in his face. Right. And then he gave him a little, little bit of advice, what he should do. Okay. We packed up our bags. You know, we, we cut the film. I get a phone call six months ago that this guy who stepped up to the microphone, Rick got in his face a little bit. He, he connected with Louise. Louise is a great um, consultant. If you need help working your business plan, she actually wrote the business plan for the Blair Witch Project, mm-hmm. a small film you might have heard of, made $350 million. <laughs> um, so she worked with Louise, and this guy went out, raised all his money for his film, shot the film uh, this past year in California, is, is now shopping it for distributors. Unbelievable. That's awesome. Yeah. While, while we were filming, that's what we were hoping for. Now when the movie comes out, March 1st, we're hoping – the whole world will be, will be able to see it, be inspired, be empowered, and, and tell the kind of stories that you want to tell and the stories that Hollywood doesn't necessarily want to promote, yeah. even if it's 
family-friendly or faith-based or something positive and uplifting. Um, it's a challenge to see movies these days that, that are not necessarily just over gratuitous on the sex and violence or just dark. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I like more positive, upbeat films. I like it. Very cool. So you've been very kind to, um, to, to sort of share this opportunity with Rollins. And um, one, one thing I love is, uh, is a screening that we'll be doing here on campus for, for students and alumni during our um, alumni weekend time period at the end of March. Um, a handful of other great Rollins connections that, that you know, you, you sort of touched on a little bit, but can you, can you sort of maybe refresh on, on specifically for this movie? Um, talk a little bit about all the Rollins connectivity there is. Yeah, so so Parker Roy, who was a year ahead of me, uh, soccer player, we, we were good friends. We weren't fraternity brothers or super, super close, but we always kept in touch. I saw him at alumni reunions time to time. So I, I just called him up, um, pitched him the movie, and we went back and forth a few times, and he ended up being one of the executive producers. So without Parker this movie would not have been made. Uh, another backer uh, was Rick Troutman, uh, Winter Park attorney, yeah. who was in Rollins maybe, I don't know, eight, ten years before me. Yep. Uh, we, we were friends just kind of around Winter Park, even though we didn't know each other at school. We, you know, we've always been friends. And, um, and then a, a guy in my class, Greg Carlson, he was also a backer. And then John Picorni and Steve Rotz, um, two Rollins guys who started Production Hub, um, we did some advertising with Production Hub to get the movie out. So a lot of different Rollins connections. And um, the one thing I will say about the Tuesday, March 29th screening, it's at 745 on the library lawn in front of um, Rollins Hall. Mm-hmm. This isn't just for you know, film students, although there's a lot of great information there. If you if you just like movies in general, because um, we've tested the we've te- we've done several test screenings, everyone from 12 years old to 80 years old. Mm. If you enjoy movies, it's just really a uh, an enjoyable, fascinating movie that I think pretty much everyone will enjoy. That's brilliant. I love it. I know you're also taking it to Atlanta with with, with some uh, with some help from a from a Rollins alum. Yeah, Miles Neiman up there. We're going to do a screening. Um, the 31st, so a couple days later, we'll be up in Atlanta. That's, that's awesome. Anything else about the, the, the movie? that uh, where, where can people, can they find out anything about it in advance? Yeah, you can go to uh, moviemoney.com. We also have a Facebook page, Movie Money Confidential. Um, but I would just, I would just say uh, just see the film. If you're in Winter Park, certainly try to come out to the screening. And uh, I, I can't really take credit for the movies that I did not direct. And I did not direct this. I did not write it. Uh, I just raised the money for it and put it together logistically. But I'm really proud of the inspiring, empowering, uplifting message uh, the whole film takes. Because we could have – Rick right. – and, and the other people on the team, they could have made it very dark and edgy, and it still would have been interesting, but I'm glad it ended up going this direction. And I think so many people, um, you know, a lot of these TikTokers and YouTubers, people are already shooting videos on their, um, their cell phones, you know, yeah. with 4K cameras today's cell phones have. Mm-hmm. Um, so there could be a, a lot of 
movie makers that come out of this documentary over the next few years, and that's our hope. Just fantastic. You know, you also touched on a little bit like Central Florida. You know, we talk about filmmaking has changed, but Central Florida as a region and as a destination has changed so much too. I mean, the amount of talent and educational um, pr providers in this space has also changed and evolved. I mean, I'm not sure we're, we're quite Hollywood East, but um, it's changed a lot, right? Yes, it really has. At, at one point in time, Orlando, which is not as big of a city as New York or LA by any means, but Orlando at one time had eight full-time film schools just in Orlando, which is pretty, pretty remarkable. And then yeah. you add all of the different theme parks and small live theaters, um, and then you mix in the, the uh, commercial industry here that's very busy most of the year, as well as the infomercials, the corporate training videos. Um, there's a lot of talent still here. Unfortunately, some of that talent and some of the crews moved away when Florida lost its film and television incentive. Mm -hmm. But what I hear is I hear we're very, very close. We're on the brink of possibly getting um, that film incentive back. And what I always loved about the Florida film incentive compared to certain other states is it was very conservative and very fiscally responsible, meaning that in order to qualify to get any kind of um, rebate back from the state, they would do a, a complete audit of your spend from, from start of filming to the end of filming, and they would only give a 20-25% uh, credit back on expenditures that went to Florida cast, Florida crew, Florida vendors, or you know, if you went to a lumber yard in, in you know, a Home Depot in right. Florida, or if you went to a florist or a restaurant. So unlike some other states, it never gave any credit back if you flew a bunch of Hollywood people in and hired them. So it was a really great economic um, stimulus uh, program, and I hope we get that back soon. Yeah, for sure. Well, this has been uh, fascinating and fantastic, and uh, I love reconnecting uh, with you, and I love hearing about uh, you know your your whole journey, or at least um, you know the Cliff Notes version. And I'm I'm excited to see um, the the movie on March 29th here on campus, 7:45. I will be there, and I will look forward to seeing you at Alumni Weekend, and then and any other time in between that uh, we, we we get that opportunity. So. Thanks truly, Scott, for, for being with us today. Appreciate it, bud. Oh, thank you, Sam. Great connecting. Look forward to seeing you on person, uh, in person in a few weeks. Well, good. Well, thanks, uh, Scott DuPont. Uh, also, thanks to Angel, our awesome Rollins student, who is our marketing coordinator and um, uh, board operator for Rollins Around Town. Uh, to keep updated on all of our shows and guests, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Rollins Around Town and subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify. So with that, we thank you for joining us today and wish you a great day in Winter Park or wherever you may be listening. Thanks.